Hello, and welcome to BWB Extra, our follow-up feature to each of our guests' main episodes. And it's where we hand over the reins to our guests to let them lead the conversation with their biggest bugbear, most burning question, or even just a topic of their choice to discuss with us. The choice is theirs. And this week, we continue our conversation with tech startup, entrepreneur, and investor, Ingvi Logerson, who unpacks what the future of augmented reality and society could look like. New Reality is Ingvi's VR and AR startup company, developing technology for museums, historical sites, and even educational institutions, allowing them to deliver their experiences with the added value of VR and AR. Just imagine being able to put on AR glasses and experience the Battle of Hastings interactively. Pretty wild stuff. All that plus more coming up. Welcome to our augmented future. I mean, the business that we, we've got to know each other over is, is a pretty interesting business, actually. You, you should tell people a little bit about it. Uh, the one that we connected on is our VR AR business. So we are in the midst of developing a new platform in, in the VR space uh, where we will be able to build uh, VR experiences for museums and, and uh, various sites uh, that allow them to basically step into the new world of interactivity and technology, but still keeping touch with uh, and, se- and basically selling the old story that they have been selling so far. So we're helping the museum still uh, saying the same story they have been saying, but in a new way and a better way and a way that should connect more or less with today's people and personalities. It's a, it's a perfect example because often with AR, you think it's sort of been taken up a little by the advertising scene and things like this. And it's like, oh, you know, you could look at your Kit Kat through this phone and it'll dance around the table. It's like, yeah, cool, cute. But a museum, that is a brilliant yeah. place where it's got objects. It's really hard to bring the story to life. I mean, I always thought Americans are amazing at museums. I think they make them, you know, Brits don't, aren't that bad. But God, when you go to a bad museum, you know, and it's just a collect some box or something. And is that the principle that you can have a real experience of whatever the story is or... Yeah, it is. I mean, a majority of museums around the world are low tech. They don't have the funding for it uh, and they don't have the technology know-how for it. Uh, so they are low tech and they are kind of uh, losing audience to various other kind of uh, adventures. Uh, we like to experience the latest things in technology when we're going out and spending our bucks, be it when we're traveling or just in our hometown. So majority of them are, are kind of losing clients and, and don't, like you said, don't have anything interesting going on. So our business venture, both from a financial standpoint, will be able to fund and develop for them new adventures based on virtual reality. We already have uh, one set up in Iceland and are opening, opening up two other ones this summer. So we have a tried and tested concept and it's working out real well. And uh, our rating shows that we are able to take existing uh, museums or existing experiences and add to them. Uh, so... We're not trying to change everything with the museums as they are, but just being able to add on top of what is already existing. You should explain what you do in Iceland. Because what, what, <laughs> it, it makes me laugh. What, what the, and you consider it a museum, do you? Interesting. Well, we, we, it's an experience. It's I an think. experience. Yes, yeah. in Iceland it is an experience, but in most cases uh, we will be adding on top of museums. Uh, yeah. So in Iceland uh, we're running an uh, interactive experience 
called uh, 1238, the Battle of Iceland, which revolves around the last Viking battle in Iceland and the time period where Iceland lost its independence. Uh, and to Denmark. To Den- let's, uh, let's not to, talk about actually, it. Actually, to Norway. Then, oh, was then it, uh, was it lost Norway it to first? Denmark, basically. Okay. But, but uh, it's irrelevant in, in this setting. <laughs> But uh, their experience is, is based, uh, there were like four large battles that happened in Iceland that, that led up to this uh, losing of independence. Of course, they took place over a long time. So uh, we have an experience that is de- dedicated to one of the battles and, and then a whole museum that, that is dedicated to all of the time period. And in that experience, uh, basically... People would maybe call it a VR game with uh, historically accurate uh, context. With axes. Uh, yeah, so you actually get to throw stones and, and spears. So you do get to live the battle that took place, the, wow. the battle that caused the most deaths in Iceland, the largest Viking battle with the most people taking part. So you are actually in the middle of the battle. You get uh, context before you enter it. You get a training area before you enter it. So we train you in the, in the art of battling in the old Viking way. And then we put you right in the middle of the battle. And it has been a huge success so far with anybody that, that has tried it. Uh, we got a five-point star rating on Google Review and TripAdvisor and so on and so forth. And it, it has actually been better received than we anticipated, just to tell you the truth. That sounds absolutely brilliant. I want to go. <laughs> please, come, please come. Sounds amazing. <laughs> is it indoor? It's just my it's thing. indoor, isn't it? It is indoor. Uh, of course, uh, well, not of course, but we have a vision for a long-term development. Um, and at the moment, we are developing a program uh, with the largest national park in Iceland, which is a UNESCO heritage site called Thingvellir. That's an outdoor experience that we are developing. So we are both developing things in VR and augmented reality. And, and the outdoor activities will be augmented reality, where we are uh, interacting with live scenes, so to speak, uh, the scenarios of, of where the oldest parliament in the world took place. I was about place. to say, there's that famous mm. rock where they, the, what's that, 10? Uh, ten, what year is that? That's not long before the battle you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's uh, 300 years before the battle, basically, 300 years, uh, roughly. Okay. So, uh, or, yeah, 350. Uh, so this is the site of, of uh, the Titanic Plateau where Europe meets uh, US or, or the Americas. So it's a very famous site, a uh, lot of things happening there. And you will be able to experience things or see things that took place and happened uh, accurately located and, and reenacted. It's a spooky spot too. So it's it's already got that, you know, places, they say places carry history and, and they do like objects do. I think that's what's so great about what you can do to bring these things alive, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna. It should enhance the experience that people have because it's a very beautiful place. But once you come there, you don't really get the context of it today because it's of course a very nice scenery. It's a very beautiful place, very kind of magical. Mm. But they use it, for instance, in the Game of Thrones because it has such magic appearances to it. But at the same time, you still don't get the full context of what took place. Uh, what was happening there. And there's not a lot of, uh, because it's, uh, you're not allowed to do any changes to it. You're not allowed to develop it in any way because it's uh, on the UNESCO site. So what we are able to do with augmented reality, reality will really add to the experience and show you what it was. Because they built a big museum next to it, didn't they? Not yeah. long ago. I've been yeah. in that. But it, you said it's the tectonic plate. So what's so fascinating about it? It's where the American and the European plates meet. Yeah, and yeah. at this spot is the oldest democracy that was formed. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just cool, do you know? It's, it's like, a very magical place, like I said, in, in, in both in vision and, and in, in history. Yeah, wow. 
you almost, when you say it, it's like, why haven't they done it already? You think of the last technology in museums, which is audio, I imagine. They yep. started introducing yeah. audio, which you can never be asked. They've with. done a few things. So like if you go to uh, the Roman baths in Bath, they've done this thing where you kind of see sort of almost holograms of Romans having baths and walking through the thing. God, how but, shocking. Depe- you know, <laughs> depending on where you look, you see people and hear the voices talking and stuff like that. But yeah, it's yeah. not really, it's not as immersive as this sounds. No, and, and, and I mean, we're not the first ones to come up with the idea, I will tell you the truth. Uh, we might just be the first ones to be able to fund it and execute it properly and, yeah, and, yeah. and kind of scale it also. Well, we're not trying to be possessive, are we? Because all museums need this technology, isn't it? So yeah, you're, yeah. you're out there offering a good solution. It's not, yeah. you know, we would encourage anyone to tell history wherever, you know. Yeah, uh, that's what we want. And, and even uh, we've been going through a, a grant process right now at the moment. And, and in that, in those steps, uh, we have developed a, a kind of a side project. In the school system might be very interested in uh, using this basically to teach history, to get people that are not necessarily well into books and, and uh, not really into education per se, but with a visual stimulus like VR, they might be able to get much further along. And what we have seen in our museum back in, in Iceland is that almost everybody that goes through the VR experience spends more time reading about and studying whatever there is you know, around it. Uh, so you might run through the museum to start with, but once you've done the VR, you start stopping by and looking at things in a different way and, and from a different angle. So it's really interesting from that standpoint. And so what are, you, what are we doing? Headsets? Fine. Yeah, we do headsets today and they are tethered today, but we are developing non-tethered headsets and, and kind of a walkthrough experience that, that uh, requires a more space, uh, a little bit more kind of security and things like that, uh, just for people not to fall, you know, or stick the toe into something and fall over. But in general, yes, we are tethered headsets at the moment. And then you can offer it to people at home, I guess. We could, definitely we could. Or does the museum, would that upset the museum? It, not necessarily, but it does add to the experience having all that surrounding going yeah. through. It I doesn't mean, really work for AR, does it? You need to be in the place, presumably, for the yeah, AR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we've been using uh, the Battle of Hastings as an example of, of uh, an AR experience that could be built here in England. So you could be standing in the field with VR, uh, AR glasses, sorry, when AR glasses are coming out. I mean, they have that come out. That would work brilliantly because at the yeah. moment it literally is just a field. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. not necessarily a bad field, so to, so to speak. No, it's good. But, and but there are is. some boards telling yeah. you what yeah. happened at places. Yeah. But it's not really an interactive. Same service. rule, probably. It's a protected site. And they probably say, we can't build there. Yeah. That's where they, yeah. everyone died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's what we do when the air glasses are being developed. They're, they're cutting so much, uh, somewhat along the ones we have today, but they're not powerful enough to really do you know, great things. Mm. But give it five, ten years, and, and you all, all of us will be wearing air glasses wherever we go and, and going through experiences like this. Uh, on a daily basis. Almost. Isn't it funny this that so Iceland great. and Britain both remember 1066 is probably the most famous historical moment when we got our ass whooped by a load of French people, you know. Yeah, we don't remember happened? that. And meanwhile, in Iceland, you got taken over and you yeah. all remember this battle. Yeah. You know, I thought history was written by the winners, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well they, I guess it is. They then, they then became us and they said, well, we'll remember that when we won. And it's like, oh, this is confusing. A <laughs> <laughs> podcast I listened to just had a vote on the the best king or queen of England. Okay. Oh. And the winner out of all the kings and queens was Athelstan. No. 
The he was the guy lost, wasn't he? No, or the guy won? he's the original king of England, the first person to unite England. And okay. beat back Canute. Well, I, I would have voted Henry and, VIII uh, because Henry VIII got rid of religion. He was, yeah. he was great. He said, you know what? I'm not sure that's entirely what he did, to be well, fair. But I mean, let's not go into that right now. It was accuracy, very helpful. Accuracy, you know. Who back. wants accuracy from their accountants? I yeah, don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and now, a quick word from our sponsor. The one-stop shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If you're in the UK or overseas, Hoory Clark, Hoory Clark. The one-stop shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If your company's big or small, they can help you all. Straight talking financial advice since 1935. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. We should probably wind the clock back, take us right back to when you first started. What was your first proper job? (laughs) My first job was when I was about four and a half years old, when I ran away from kindergarten. Uh, Wow. I ran out from kindergarten and started working uh, for uh, people at the docks, basically singing for them, uh, earning my keeps, just a couple of coins, but it was a lot of fun. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take a step. You ran away from kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. Is that, I mean, you could barely run. I mean, is that even possible? I, I could barely climb over the fence, but I did. And, and it's a story that I tend to tell because it's kind of funny. And, and, Shows an awful lot about you. That's a <laughs> fascinating thing. It's a, I've been fairly independent in my life. I like to do things my oh, way. Shit. Go where I want to go. Did you make a decent amount of money doing that? No, I'm a terrible singer, so. <laughs> but it was a very entertaining to the people having a young guy trying to earn his keeps by singing and being terrible at it. How long did you manage to run away for? Is this just days? Is I, it? No, actually, I, I worked at the docks for about three weeks. Piss off! No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, they drop you off at kindergarten and then yeah. you'd sneak out each yeah, day. Yeah. Well, I snuck out the first day, but after that, I'd start just walking down to the docks every day. I used to live in a small town, so... And the teachers never rang your parents and said... Well, they did, uh, and my parents said, he comes home every day, so why should we worry? Wow, that's... But it's a very small town, everybody knows everybody, so... It's, uh, I was in a very secure place, to be fair. Do you remember what you were thinking? You were thinking, oh, this is boring, I'm leaving, or... Yeah, basically, literally. <laughs> wow. I was like, I've, I've done this with this, you know, there's nothing new happening here. I've been in all the sandboxes, dug all the what I want to dig, and, <laughs> and, you know, played with all the cars. So, uh, yeah, it was literally that. Nothing new is happening, so I need something new stimulating. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a hell of an eye for that. Is. It is. Did you run away again in life? Actually, I tried when I was probably about uh, seven or six or something like that. I packed my bags in uh, those uh, Tom Hickleberry kind of had a stick and a and a cloth. I don't really know what you call it. You know, so I packed yeah, yeah. my clothes in a cloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah wrapped it around the stick. Yeah. We've got the image. It's the, cla- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the classic. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. If the wife yes. ever does that, you know you've got problems. You know. So, so, so I tried that, and my parents just laughed at me. So 
it didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to, if you haven't been to Iceland, you have to understand. If you could, Where did you come from? The north, was it? Uh, east, the far east, basically. Oh, the far east. Yeah, far, yeah. You know, you get this in Australia, but if you come from a little town out there, you are talking a tiny town, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get the same thing. Um, I, I want you, we're of a similar generation, but the internet's been this amazing thing because it's come along and these towns where before there was nothing, suddenly the internet came along and, and at least if you were a creative person or something, feeling a bit bored, you can you got a playground, do you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Definitely. Um, so what do you, when did you end up in Reykjavik then? Well, uh, we moved there when I was 11 years old. Okay. Uh, and and uh, my parents have always been kind of uh, not necessarily entrepreneurial, but but uh, kind of in a leadership position uh, in, in some form or shape uh, throughout the years. Uh, so I, I will say I kind of grew up with that. And and own, learn from owner them. owner mentality basically yeah yeah owner or, or kind of at least a leading mentality yeah, yeah. Uh, so my my father was uh, very deep into sports in Iceland running sports club which is a voluntary job in Iceland kind of thing so and developing them from kind of a, I would say very primitive form over to kind of a very operational, uh, large format that it is today, even though Iceland, again, of course, is rather small. Uh, but it's still, uh, has, it's gone into Still beat England at the football. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reminding us. Thank you. <laughs> so were all... you were you sporty? Yeah, yeah well, uh, almost everybody in Iceland kind of does some kind of mm. sport. Uh, majority of them do. And, and uh, I've done sports most of my life and love physical activity. I uh, just literally need it. If there's not enough of it, uh, I'd get really irritating and, and extremely, extremely boring. I think culturally, if you've never done business with Icelanders, you'll find, you know, I find them very close to Brits. You know, how we act, the sense of humor, you know, drink, I don't know, eat. <laughs> you know, the only thing is, is you guys are just hilarious about risk. Like you just, <laughs> I remember when your volcano went off and all of Iceland went, oh, look, it looks pretty. Let's go look. And they all like crowded up and took over and taking pictures and then the wind changed and you had your largest humanitarian crisis of all time with most of Iceland on the side of this mountain with their cameras having to be winched off by the few remaining people who were on duty and and, and Iceland was just like yeah whatever man yeah we almost died on the volcano check it out we're a bit more we've we've got a bit more risk at first do you, do you recognize that as an Icelandic characteristic I definitely think we are we are um, I think it might have to do something just with the way that you we are close to the sea. So mm. uh, back in the days, you had to be not afraid to go out there just, you know, yeah. for your livelihood. Fearless. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's really associated with that. And throughout the years, it has developed into us not being afraid of making big decisions or taking big decisions. We fix it. Isn't that, isn't that the Icelandic saying? You know, they yeah. say, oh, we fix it. Yeah. yeah. What's it in Icelandic? Atarattast. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's actually pretty impressive you knowing that or remembering that. Uh, I've, good one. I've seen it in practice. <laughs> I, I crashed my car in the middle. You're told about five times, don't do this. Don't drive up into hills in the dark, not knowing what the hell you're doing. There's roads up there that, you know, you'll die sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Rented, never rent one of these. My sister also crashed in one in Jamaica. They're very dangerous Suzuki Jimmy 4x4 oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. are death trap they, they can fall over when the wind hit it driving up this mountain with my then girlfriend 
I, maybe the wind hit it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> next thing, the car is on top of a boulder next to the side of the road with none of the wheels touching the ground. I think one wheel touching the ground. It's getting dark. There's no phone reception. I've driven up in the mountain. I said, oh, I'll go a bit further. You know, England. <laughs> you know, oh, I'll be fine. And I'm stuck on this fucking boulder and I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, I've got a bottle of water and I've got a tank of diesel. Like we could probably make it through the night. <laughs> and I don't know where like that scene in Star Wars, this bloke with his arms across his head with a shovel just starts cut walking up this hill. Tiny guy gets all the way top of the hill. I'm like, oh, hello. He doesn't speak a word of English. He's like, Ugh. and then he just pushes me out of the way and just starts digging under the boulder. Dig, dig, dig. Half an hour later, boulder falls into the hole. Car falls on the thing, grunts again, and walks over. <laughs> and, you know, and I was talking about the whole cunning we plot. It, you know? <laughs> and your whole cunning plot to get rid of your girlfriend hadn't worked. Oh my God. You know what's funny? They, when you take it back to the rental place, the underside of the car was fucked. And, and you take it back, they don't look underneath. <laughs> they don't look underneath. And I was just like, okay, that's good. I can go. And they're like, yeah, you can go. Like, no problem. Okay, good, good, glad. Sorry, hurts. <laughs> I owe you. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to Igving Loganson for joining us, my co-host Pippa, and a big thank you to you, dear listener. We'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and come say hi on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at B-I-Z without B-S. Until next time, it's ciao.